pretty funny adventure of, um, of Buddy and his search and his quest to find his father. So uh, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, the title of this message is In Search of the Father. And uh, this movie is about a boy who stumbles into Santa's bag, is raised by elves, and then goes on a quest to find his father. This man-child, as you could say, has an addiction to sugar and an affinity for elf culture. His overall look on life is pleasant. It's actually quite refreshing, especially in a world that's full of cynicism. Friends, he has a good work ethic. He looks for the best in people. And he genuinely goes out of his way to try to make others feel happy. We see just a, a small clip of just how he was able just to enjoy some of the smaller things in life, like spinning in the, in the little elevator thingamabob and eating used candy. ABC gum, did anybody ever use that back when you were a kid? Did you ever, say, did you ever ask somebody if they wanted ABC gum? And what did they say? Yes, I want some ABC gum. And so then you pull it out of your mouth and you say, here you go. And they're like, what's this? It's already been chewed. You know, and so he obviously got his first taste of ABC gum. But we, we saw in the clip what happened when he walked into the cafe and he saw the sign that said, world's best cup of coffee. And he says, you did it. Congratulations. World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everyone. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> but isn't that his overall demeanor throughout the whole course of the movie? That he has this expression of excitement about life. There's a, there's a part in the movie where he's in gimbals and his manager says to him, ask him, why are you smiling like that? And he replies, I just like to smile. Smiling is my favorite. I just like to smile. Smiling is my favorite. But he is in a world that's surrounded by pessimism. Yet he doesn't conform to the world's Eeyore-like tendencies. Do you guys remember Winnie the Pooh? Do you guys remember the one character Eeyore? Do you remember him? He had that pin on his tail and he... He happened to lose his tail like every time he was, he was on an episode. And he went around, and, and how did he view life? Well, here I go again. You know, just this very, you know, uh, dread kind of pessimistic outlook. Well, I'm going to, you know what I mean? That's just the way he talked. I guess the sun's coming out today again, you know. So, there are a lot of people in life, and that's how they view life. And it's sad. Have you, do you know anybody like that? It's like every, every time you speak to them, it's always for them. Things are going wrong. Everything's broken. I mean, life is, is, is not working well for them, and, and there's just nothing but, but complaining about life. And how many of us enjoy being around people like that? I mean, you go out of your way. Let's say, let's go hang out today. I just need a good dose of your pessimism. <laughs> no one but yet oftentimes we can be like that and so to me it's refreshing when I see a movie like this and even though it's make-believe to see 
a person that has such an optimistic view on life. So there are a few things that we're going to learn from Buddy here today. So our first lesson that we need to learn from Buddy the Elf, say, I'm going to learn from Buddy the Elf. (laughs) That just sounds funny. Number one, friends, is we need to learn to enjoy life. We need to learn to enjoy life. We need to learn to be able to take the most, I love twice in the Bible, it says make the most of every opportunity. Where we're at in life, friends, we need to be able to make the most of that. But see, there's a, there's a trap that has us always wanting more. Well, if I only get that job, then I'll be happy. If I only have that car, if I only have that TV, if I only have this type of person that, that can, well, I, then I'll be happy. And there's this always longing and a desire for more. And what it is, is it's running the rat race. Say rat race. Because what it does is it gets our attention fixed off of the blessings of where we are and what we have right now, and we're always shooting for the next thing. And it's kind of hard that in the, in the society we live in, the culture we live in, we have a very consumer-like culture, which is always pushing the newest and the best. Think about it. Every single year they have what? A brand new model car. Every single year they have a brand new model TV. Every single year, there's always the newest model, the better model. I like there was an old Best Buy commercial, and it said um, this guy was all excited because he got the new 3D uh, whatever, and they're delivering it, and then he sees a, he sees a car drive by. It says, coming soon or, or now available 40. And so he's like, you know, like, I just upgraded to this new, and they're coming out with, and what it is, it's this rat race for the newest and the best. Think about it. I mean, think about your cell phone. I guarantee you, your cell phone you had two years ago would still be working fine now, for the most part. But we had to get the newer phone. We had to get the newer model. We had to get the six, not the five. We had to get the edge, not the regular. I mean, there's this pull and this push towards consumerism. And so we need to learn to, in order for us to really be able to enjoy life, we got to be able to enjoy where we're at and what we have. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves. We got to be able to laugh at ourselves. Think about it. Don't, for the most part, don't for the, when we make a big hot mess of something, we can usually beat ourselves up pretty good. We don't need the devil's help or our spouse's help. You can look at your spouse and say, don't help me. (laughs) I don't need your help. I can do a good job of beating myself up. But if we can take some of those times that that we really screw up royally and and, and be able to laugh at ourselves, you know, it may even take a few days for you to calm down or whatever, get over yourself. But if you can genuinely look back and say, okay, that was dumb. I was stupid. Whatever it was, I'm going to move on. And then later on laugh. Joy and I, we have uh, uh, this ongoing thing back 15 years ago when we first got married, when my wife, before uh, she uh, knew that she needed somebody else that could help her with accountability, uh, she was trying to uh, watch what she ate, and so she told me, and being the awesome husband that I am, saying, of course, honey, I'll help you do whatever. She said, can you keep me accountable? I want to stay away from sweets. Okay? And of course, I'm going to help her out. Yeah, you want to stay away from sweets? I'm going to do that for you, babe. Horse, whatever, I've got you. So she was having one of those moments. We're driving in the car, and so she said, hey, babe, can we stop at the gas station 
because I really want a Kit Kat. And I'm like, well, well, baby, you told me to keep you accountable, so no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna pull over. Look, you guys are already laughing. You already knew what happened. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. What do you think happened? She said, okay, I'm going to stick to my guns. No, she didn't. She said, what? <laughs> you think you can control me? Does it look like I have a towel on my head? And she just starts going off. She starts going off. I'm the innocent, brand new married husband. I'm just trying to help her out. I'm just, I was doing what she asked me to do. And I'm telling you, at the time, it wasn't funny. At the time, it wasn't funny. You know, so it turned into this big blow up and we're sitting there and we're screaming at each other in the car. But here we are, 15 years later, we can look back and say, that was the most funny, stupid thing. We got into a fight over a candy bar. Right? That's right. More of the story, let your wife have chocolate. <laughs> she deserves it. Okay? We should be able to laugh at ourselves. In order for us to really enjoy life, we've got to be able to look, you know, when we, when we really make mistakes and be able to say, hey, you know what, I can look at that. Okay? We need to be able to make the best out of where we are. I love Buddy the Elf, and one of the ways that he likes to enjoy life is he has this saying, and he says it a few times in the movie. He says, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. Sing loud. Have you, have you ever done something that's kind of out of your regular or norm and and it kind of made you feel good inside like have you ever you know for instance have you ever served in vision kitchen you know i mean you could have a schedule that's full of you know just busyness and yet you're saying you know what? i'm going to take a little bit of time outside of myself for a moment and, and i'm going to look beyond me and i'm going to love on someone else and then when you leave there's this man i feel good and so it's the same principle. He's like, you know, singing out loud. He's like, I'm singing, I'm singing. I mean, he's just like, you know, you, all you got to do is just raise your voice. Okay, we have this saying uh, where, where the scripture says, uh, make a joyful noise. My wife translate it as joy, make a noise. So, so she used to sing in choir and stuff, and, and I actually like how she sings, but, but it's... It's, it's definitely making a noise, okay? So we have Buddy who comes face-to-face with the cynical Bahumbug bah Scrooges throughout the whole course of the movie, those with the, with the Eeyore, dreadery outlook on life, the dull, bleak, lifeless, depressing, unstimulating, uninspiring father of his, Okay, but the friends, but friends, it does happen to all of us. The pressures in life, the cares of this world, they happen to squeeze the life out of us. Because what does it says in scripture? It says what? It says the cares of this world 
choke out the, the plant and make it unfruitful. What does it do? The cares of this life choke our life away. And so when we get caught in, in you know, taking care of business and, and making sure our family's provided for and taking care of kids and, and, and doing all of our duties around home and you get caught in that cycle of, of, of taking care of business, taking care of business, what, we, what, what can happen is the enjoyment in life starts to dissipate. It actually begins to choke out the life, as Jesus would say. We're taking care of responsibility, and those are good things. I look at my four-year-old Justice. Friends, he's full of life and excitement. He's playful. He's innocent. He's carefree. But yet a time's going to come, he's going to grow up, he's going to start having responsibility, and then life is going to be ready to start pulling away that excitement. When we grow up, friends, we tend to lose, lose ourselves. I remember watching a video of a person that I know as a grown-up, and i never seen them as a child, and... And I seen a video of them as a child, and this person was expressive, exciting, playful. And then I see their life now, and, like, and I'm like, what happened to that person? Life happened to that person. And that's what happens to all of us. So it's kind of funny when we see this man-child who's grown up, but yet he still has this carefree attitude. He's able to enjoy life. Friends, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If you have your tablet or smartphone, we do have a live event. It's also on there. Verse 12, it says this. So I concluded, this is Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes. He was the richest man. Okay, the Bible says that, that he, uh, he did not keep himself from any pleasure. He gave himself everything. So I, I could just, I mean, he indulged in anything. And this is what he says. So I conclude that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can, and people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. He's telling us, okay, I, I guarantee you that Ecclesiastes was towards the end of his life. He's not, gonna, he's not doing an evaluation of his life in the middle. He's probably older and he's looking at all the things he accomplished and he's looking at all the things he indulged in. He's looking at his thousand wives that he, that he married, the temple that he built, all of the peace um, treaties that he made with all, of the, with all of these different nations. And this is what he says. He didn't say, I brought peace to a nation and that's what satisfied me. I had all these wives, that's what satisfied me. I accumulated more gold than any king in all of Israel and that's what satisfied me. No, he said, this is what we have to do. Enjoy our work and enjoy our food. Isn't that what he's saying? Enjoy what you do. And he said, these are gifts from God. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 9. And if you're married in here, you can say, Amen. It says, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningful, meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. So, he, so it's like the little glimmer of hope that he's sharing. He's saying, you know what? You're going to work hard. You're going to bust your butt. 
His life is meaningless, so enjoy your wife. <laughs> Isn't that what he's saying? So enjoy your work, enjoy your food, enjoy your, your wife. This is some good stuff here. Okay? This is some great stuff. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 9. He says this. He says, enjoy what you have. This is what I just talked about. Rather than desiring what you don't have, just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Friends, we got to be able to enjoy what we have. What did I just talk about earlier? We're conditioned to want more, bigger, better. But yet, friends, we have to be able to enjoy the place we're in in our life. If we're single, enjoy that freedom. If you have kids, enjoy that time. It's short. If your kids are grown and and moved out, hallelujah, enjoy that time now by yourselves again. (laughs) If If you're a grandparent, enjoy those years. If you're a child, if you're a young person and you don't have all the responsibilities, friends, enjoy that. I remember being a kid, couldn't wait till I was this, couldn't wait till I could drive, couldn't wait till I was a dog. And now I'm a dog, I'm like, man, I wish I was a kid again. <laughs> enjoy where we're at. Enjoy what we have. If your car is a beater and it's a clunker, but yet it turns on every day, praise God. <laughs> right? If you ain't got no heat, you better dress warmly. If you don't have a car and you're footing it, praise God, he's giving you two legs you can walk on. If you're bussing it, praise God that we have the tartar sauce or tartar bus in our city that you can ride around and so that you don't have to foot it. Or if you have a bicycle, praise God, he's giving you the health to be able to, to bike ride wherever you need to go. What are we doing? Enjoy what we have. I mean, think about this. If you have $2 in your pocket, you can walk 500 feet and you can get yourself a burger and a fry. How many people in the world can say they can do that? For $2. You can get a meal more than you can spend $2 at Kroger. You barely get a loaf of bread for 2 bucks. Ecclesiastes 6.9, enjoy what we have rather than desiring what we don't. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. I love this. It's one of my life verses. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. Living for the Lord. Living a life that's set apart and dedicated to Him. With contentment. Saying, God, I thank you for where I'm at. I'm not looking for the bigger and the better. If you bless me with it, thank you. But I'm not desiring and chasing after that and then he goes on to say for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it if you don't believe then ask all the pharaohs of egypt that that we uh had our people go and dig all the treasures out of their uh their tombs they thought they could take it with them to the next life guess what they didn't we have it in our museums now you can't take it with you but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with what we have. That kind of sounds like Solomon, doesn't it? Be content with, with our food, with our clothing, with what we have. Contentment, godliness, being able to enjoy life. Friends, in order to enjoy life, our perspective on where we are and what we have has to change. 
It's the only way that we can be able to enjoy life. Our second lesson that we can learn from Buddy the Elf. Number two. Friends, we need to seek our Father. Our Heavenly Father. The beginning of the movie, and actually the journey on this whole movie, is about this orphan man who connects back with his father. That's the whole synopsis of the movie. And then obviously he's an elf and he helps Santa and blah, blah, blah. But it's, he didn't have a relationship with his dad. And he goes through great lengths to meet with him. And friends, that's what we need to do. We need to seek our Heavenly Father. But he faced many obstacles. He said that he passed through the candy cane forest and the sea of the swirly, twirly gumdrops, and then he ended up landing in the Lincoln Tunnel. Okay, he went through many obstacles to meet with his father. And, and we see his first interaction with his father, and he gets kicked out. And you know what? Let me, let me just say this. Friends, when we are in pursuit of our Heavenly Father, it's not always going to happen right away like that. It takes time to develop intimacy. It takes time to develop a connection with Him where, where we're able to have dialogue with Him, where we're not feeling guilty, we're not feeling beat up. And so Buddy needed to find who he truly was. That's why he went in search of his father. Because he didn't know who he was. He was a human that was in elf world. And so he had to leave to find out who he was. He had this belief, if I find my father, I'll know who I am. The same is true about us. It isn't until we find our heavenly father that we truly know who we are. It isn't until we connect with him. It wasn't until I was able to connect with my heavenly father in 1998 that I truly found out who I was. And so we have Buddy who has this sense of emptiness without knowing who his father was. I love there's this old school song by Plum called A God-Shaped Hole. It's kind of like a puzzle piece inside of our heart that only God can fill. But yet, friends, all too often, people try to fill it fill this void with all kinds of things like alcohol and sex. People use their children to try to fill this void. Food, money, music, heroin. People try to fill it with religion and spirituality. They try to fill it with their possessions. Maybe they collect stuff. They try to fill it with all these sorts of things, success, relationships, all kinds of things that are counterfeits, and yet they don't quite fill the void. Do you guys remember that old toy back in the day they don't really have them. Uh, the ones that I remember was the cylinder, and they had the little top on, and it had three little, they had, it had the square, it had the triangle, and it had the circle. This is a little bit more advanced version of it. But what would happen when you try to foot, put the circle in the square hole? doesn't fit. Or the triangle in the circle hole? Actually, that would fit sometimes. If you put that in there and you smashed it down there, you could actually get the triangle to fit into the circle hole. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah, you pound on it. Okay. But for the most part, the hole was made to do what? To teach children that the specific shape fills the specific hole. 
But what really happens when you try to take the other ones, for the most part, other than like me cheating and pounding it down, for the most part, it doesn't fit. And that's what happens, friends. Okay? We try to fill that void, that hole with things, and it can cover over it, but it can't actually fill it. And that's what God wants to do, friends. He wants to fill that emptiness. He wants to fill that void. I love what Andre Crouch said back when he wrote the song, Can't nobody do me like... Jesus. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Come on. Why is this? Because Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says, In Him we have been made complete. In Him we're made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority. In Him. He completes us. He fills that that hole. He fills that void. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, He came to give us what? Full life. Abundant life. He what? He fills our life with fullness and abundance. He fills our life. He's the one that fills us. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that takes that God-shaped hole and fills it up inside of us. Psalms chapter 81 and verse 10, it says, that I brought you out of Egypt and opened your mouth, I will fill it. Friends, He fills us. He'll fill, fill our mouths. He'll give us the words to speak. He'll fill our belly. I mean, God is our provider. He's our sustainer. He's our healer, our deliverer. He wants to fill us. Friends, if we are in pursuit of God, there are so many scriptures about seeking after Him. Like Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13 says that if you seek Me, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. How are we seeking the Lord today? I don't know about you, but back in the day, a penny used to actually be worth something. But nowadays, if you pulled out some loose change out of your pocket and you dropped a penny and it, and it went rolling off under the couch, I guarantee you, you're not going to flip the couch to get that penny. Why? Because even though it's we consider it, okay, monetary value in our eyes, it is quite worthless. Unless you're like a collector of pennies and you have a wheat penny or whatever, okay? But for the most part, even though we deem it as valuable, in our own eyes it's worthless. But God said that if we seek Him with all that we have, we're going to find Him. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it tells us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. What's that? Righteousness is a large word that basically just means being in right standing with God. So if we seek first His kingdom, what? Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I want what you want. That's basically what it is. You are aligning your life with what He wants. God, I want what I want to be what you want. So that my will, it coincides with your will. Does that make sense? So that's what you're saying, your kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. God, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you want me to do? And righteousness. We can't just be doing the work of God without living in right relationship with him. Okay, if I'm not in right relationship with my wife, and I go out and, and we're arguing and bickering, and we don't work out our differences, and I decide I'm going to just go try to buy her some flowers and, and try to like win her over, it's not going to work things out. It might make things look good for a minute, 
she might be happy for a second, but if we haven't actually worked through our issue, it's not really going to fix anything. But yet, that's what can happen for many of us as believers, is we can be doing all the work, but yet we're not connecting with Him the way we should. I've been guilty of that numerous times in my Christian walk. So that's why we've got to seek first kingdom and righteousness. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. That's some pretty powerful promise, don't you think? That when we ask, it will be given. Okay, but we have to coincide, and I didn't put it up there, but we also have to coincide that with, with James chapter 4 that says that when we ask and we don't receive, it's because we ask with, with wrong motives. Okay, so if we're asking and we're like, Lord, I want to hit the lottery, I guarantee you I'm going to bless Vision Ministries. Okay, for the most part, you're asking with wrong motives. And God knows that if he actually gave that to you, you'd probably destroy yourself. Because what happens, I don't know if you statistically showing, when people, when they, hit, when they win the lottery, they end up, after a number of years, they end up either going into bankruptcy because they don't know how to steward resources. So they fork all their money into different things. Uh, there's, people, uh, there's people in Ohio that have won the Ohio lottery that end up overdosing on drugs. So they get all of this money, and then they go and they kill themselves with it. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29 says this. It says, uh, the exact same thing as Jeremiah 29. It says, but from there you will seek the Lord, your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart and all of your soul. So there's, there's a seeking about finding him when we look for him with all that we have. Friends, Jesus' parents lost Jesus. Have you ever lost your kid before? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I'll tell on you. Have I ever lost my kid before? Maybe. No, just kidding. Okay, I don't feel too bad when I see that Jesus actually lost his, their own son for three days. Okay? Jesus was found in his father's house. Have you, ever lost, have you ever lost your relationship with God? This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, when, they, when, he finally, when the parents finally get back with him. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know? Friends, the first place to find Jesus is always the house of God. If you're looking for Jesus, if you're looking for a relationship with God, the first place to find him is his father's house. So this is the best place to be. If you need to be in a right relationship with God, being in the house of God, because that's where you're going to find the Lord. If you can stand up to your feet with me. Jesus asked this question. I'm going to ask it as well. He said this. He says, why are you searching for me? Why are you searching for me? Pastor Ben, there's one more scripture. Could you put that up for me? It's Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Friends, a lot of people are searching for the Lord because they're in need of hope. A lot of people are searching because they're depressed, lonely, tired. They're lost. They're empty. They've spent themselves. Need healing. 
need deliverance, need freedom. He's asking us today, why are you searching for me? If you're searching for him today, in order for us to find him, we got to turn from our sin. All too often what we do is we come to church and we hide our sin behind our back. I did that for, for a number of years. But we got to turn from our sin, meaning I'm going to go in the opposite direction of where that's leading me. And Peter puts it pretty clear in Acts chapter 3. This is what he says. He says, repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. And I love this. It's an incredible promise. It says, times of refreshing come upon you. Are you in need of refreshing today? The Lord wants us to be able to enjoy our life. And second, friends, He wants us to be able to seek after Him with all we have. All too often we get caught up. Let's pray. God, we just ask God today. We want to be men and women who are able to look at what we have, where we're at, and say, thank you. I'm grateful. I appreciate what I have, the lot that I've been blessed with. God, thank you. And God, we don't want to be individuals that think we've already arrived, that God, we've, we've got it all together. Okay, I don't need, I only need this much of God. No, Lord, we need to have hearts that seek after you. Such is the generation that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. Lord, help us to seek after you with all of our heart every day. Friends, if you're in need of God to fill you today, would you slip your hand up saying, God, I need rescue today. I need healed today. I need delivered. I need some freedom. I need refreshed. Lord, we thank you for every person, God, willing to raise their hands in this house. God, we thank you. Lord, you can meet every single need. God, you can meet every single person right in their area of what they need. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak strength to those that are weak today. God, we speak faith to those, God, today that are dealing with doubt and unbelief. God, we speak, oh God, courage to those, those, oh God, that are battling and fighting through fears or intimidations or whatever it is. God, we pray deliverance and freedom over those that are battling with addictions. God, whether it's a substance abuse, God, or pornographic, God, or, 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 or sexual, or God, whatever it might be. God, we speak freedom in the name of Jesus, God, that, that those strongholds would break off your sons and daughters' lives. God, we thank you for lifting depression and oppression. We speak, God, healing to those that are in need of a touch in their bodies and in their emotions and in their heart. God, they're broken today. Lord, would you heal those that need healing today? God, we thank you for ministering to your sons and your daughters. God, we thank you for all that you're going to do. God, we thank you that this is an awesome season that we get to celebrate you being with us. Emmanuel, God, with us. And Lord, I just pray, oh God, that, Lord, that you would just give us great strength and grace to continue to say yes to you every single day. God, would you fill us with fire and passion and zeal for your name. In Jesus' name.
And all the saints of God said together, amen. Friends, thank you so very much for coming. Second service, we will be doing baptism. So, so if